Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk a little NBA coming up here, Gordon, with our friend Cody Taylor, editor of Rookie Wire at USA Today. We'll get his thoughts on the finals and, frankly, what awaits the NBA in this offseason, which is uh, going to be a monumental task, as we've talked about a lot this week. We talked about it with Sam yesterday, Sam Amick. Um, well, there's a lot that's got to happen before we see basketball again after this finals is over. Yeah, and we don't even know the complete schedule as to when it's going to happen. So a lot of decisions yet to make. It's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I I hope this sounds weird, but I hope they get started the sooner the better because, again, I don't want, I don't want you know, permanent going in uh, offset of the schedule, like uh, the, the season going into August for the near future because they can't figure out a way to make up the, the time, you know? Yeah, right. All right, let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. Joining us now, editor of Rookie Wire at USA Today. He's our friend Cody Taylor. What's going on, Cody? How are you? Hey, not too much, guys. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. We have a number of different things to get to uh, with you today, but let's start with your thoughts on the finals. Uh, I'm I'm assuming you're with everyone else thinking this is all but over? Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, I think outside of game one, though, the Heat have had a chance to compete against the Lakers, but... As we've seen toward the end of games, the, the Lakers have just too much firepower, too many playmakers on the court, especially with the absence of Goran Dragic and, of course, Bam missed a couple of games for the Heat. But um, I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway is I think a lot of fans would have liked to have seen uh, the Heat at full strength just to see kind of how it would have played out differently. But I think uh, tomorrow is probably going to be the last game. Okay, so where would you rank, if you were ranking the top players in the NBA, where would you rank LeBron and where would you rank Anthony Davis and the two of them obviously together? Yeah, I think when you when you combine them together, they're, they're probably the top duo in the league uh, off the top of my head. And, you know, this is LeBron's, what, 17th year in the NBA, and I, and I still think the case can be made that he's, he's a top five player, certainly top ten. I mean, he finished second and MVP voting and, and had a legitimate chance to win. Um, and then when you look at Anthony Davis, he's probably not too far behind LeBron James. And you can even make an argument he's he's a little bit better at this point of his career uh, based on what he can do uh, defensively and offensively. Um, and, and so I think when when you have that, those two guys are, are playing at the level that they are, you just kind of need these role players to step up and when the Lakers have been successful this season is mostly because those role players have stepped up. It's those nights that they may not show up or play as well that the Lakers struggle a bit. But, you know, to, to teams know that to beat this, this team, that they have to play at their peak performance and then maybe have a couple of the Lakers role players, uh, you know, not play as well. And, and we've seen that throughout the postseason. Realizing, uh, Cody, that over the years there's going to be many books written on this topic, uh, I'll, I'll ask you this question. What effect has the bubble had on this uh, year's playoffs? Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I'm looking forward to, 
to, to watching the 30 for 30 or reading the book about it because it's certainly going to be interesting uh, from the inside stories that are going on there. And I think that, you know, there, there's been a lot of, of talk about it, certainly when the season restart first occurred. Um, you know, would there be an asterisk because there's no home court, teams aren't traveling? But I'm with a lot of people that agree that, you know, this you can make a case that this is one of the most difficult uh, playoff runs that these two teams have had to make, and then including the teams uh, that were eliminated previously, just because these guys are away from the families. We've seen, you know, players uh, throughout this time uh, in the bubble, you know, talk about how hard it's been mentally being away from their families and, and being around their loved ones, having normal lives, because I think Giannis said one time that when he has a, quote, off day, you're still inside the bubble. You're still kind of surrounded by basketball. You really can't have a day off even on your day off. So I think, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting when we look back five, ten years from now, how we view this playoff run that we're currently watching uh, compared to how things will kind of hopefully return back to normal. But it's, it's certainly been a challenge uh, for the Lakers and the Heat as the last two teams standing. Yeah, I just don't know how they could have done it without the bubble, especially when they commenced. You know, it it, uh, it saved the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. 100%. And, I mean, we've seen this with uh, the two sports that were fortunate enough to be able to have the bubble environment, NBA and NHL, where there were no positive tests from players or coaches involved. Uh, comparatively, when you look at baseball and football, of course, the rosters are much bigger, uh, team sizes, are much larger than NHL and, and NBA. They've had positive tests along the way. The Tennessee Titans right now have, have been decimated, um, you know, by, by the coronavirus and, and positive tests. But I think when, you know, when this series inevitably ends uh, tomorrow uh, or throughout the weekend, um, I think a lot of people are, are going to be able to look back and, and just really appreciate, if they haven't already, what the NBA has done, what Adam Silver has done, to pull off something like this. And, you know, it, it, it credit goes on both sides, the players and the, and the league, because, you know, without the players fully buying into what's happened and what the protocols that they've had to go through, this wouldn't have happened. And so right when players arrived there at Disney, we, you know, we heard some were, were skeptical. Uh, they weren't sure that this was going to be able to be pulled off. But when they finally saw the protocols and guidelines that they had to adhere by, you know, they finally start to get it like, okay, this could could potentially work and that we've seen, um, you know, heading into game five and NBA finals, no positive test, and that has to be a win for the league. So you alluded to it there. The relationship between the league and the players has, has really been good through this, and you've got to give both sides a ton of credit. Uh, with that said, they now have a bunch that they have to agree on to uh, to even get to next season. Do you expect the kind of um, this good relationship, productive relationship, better word, productive relationship to continue on, or will it get maybe a little uglier like we've seen in other sports like baseball, for example? Yeah, I think when you look at the relationship between the two sides, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts uh, from the Players Association, they've, they've had good faith talks. Uh, up until this point, I recently read that Michelle Roberts has been inside the bubble for the entirety uh, that it's been uh, in Orlando. And so, um, you know, she's had conversations with Adam Silver and it's, and it's gone well to this point. Of course, once it finally starts getting to that point where 
both sides have to make it come to an agreement, that's when things might get a little hairy. But, you know, they still have – they're still targeting around the NBA draft time, around that time frame, November 18th, to get things kind of settled as far as the salary cap goes for this uh, – for the next season and some of the other, um, you know, the tax rules and, and, and things of that nature. So, you know, sitting here on, on October 8th, that's still over a month away. Um, and so you'd have to think that given the amount of time we have between now and then, um, you know, they'll have enough time to go back and forth and come to agreement on some of those key issues that, that are right in front of them. So, okay, so uh, let's – Let's hear your plan. What do you think uh, this next season? How will it how will it uh, play out as far as timing, scheduling, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think from from what I've what I've read and what I've heard is, is that you know the, the NBA is, is targeting the end of January, potentially February, and if not sooner. Um, you know, they basically have ruled out starting before uh, January first. And so when you look at just kind of the dynamics of that toward the end of January it would probably be right in that, in that sweet spot for the NBA. They still do have plans to have an 82 game season, go the full length of the playoffs, maybe eventually have, have fans in at, at limited seating at some point. But I think there's still a lot of unknown regarding that aspect of things. Um, and then also too, you have to consider that a lot of these players want to participate in the Olympics, which are still kind of scheduled for later this summer. And so I think the NBA is really going to try to have things wrapped up by that point and, and still have a full season. And so I think that's probably some of the things that the players in the league have to discuss too, is that, you know, they're really trying to eliminate uh, back-to-back games, four games and five nights uh, in order to allow the players to rest. Obviously, when you start the season much later and you're still trying to get that 82-game season in a shorter window, I think things are going to get a little little interesting there just to kind of see how they handle that and the scheduling that some teams will face. But, um, you know, right now, hopefully by the end of January, we start uh, start getting back into the next season with training camp, maybe starting right after the first of the year. Cody Taylor is with us, uh, editor of Rookie Wire at USA Today. And, Cody, I apologize uh, if we've asked you this in previous appearances, but uh, switching gears to the Jazz, what did you make of Mike Conley's first year with the team? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you look at what Conley did, you know, you you know what you're getting uh, when you when you had him come in. And so, obviously, he missed a couple of games there um, in, the, in the bubble. But I think when – when you look at him and, and if he can be completely healthy uh, for a season, I think he showed some good signs. And, and of course, um, you know, when you have Donovan Mitchell playing just at lights out as he did during the playoffs, um, you know, you just, you just kind of need some of these other guys to step up a bit. And, you know, Mike Conley has always been a, a player that I've liked, a, a player that I've thought has been a little underrated just because most of his career – playing in a small market in Memphis, probably didn't get the due that he deserved. And um, just kind of watching his progression throughout his career, he's, he's been a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of Donovan Mitchell, how good can this kid be? I mean, uh, where do you think the ceiling is? Yeah, I think when, when you consider just what he's done and, and seemingly improved, each year he's been in the NBA. Of course, it's his third year this year, this past season. But 
you know, he has the opportunity to, to really, if he can cont- continue on this trajectory, uh, be one of the elite players in the NBA, top five, top ten player, um, you know, multiple-time all-star, leading the Jazz deep into the playoffs year in and year out. And so, um, you know, I think he really, you know, he's played, performed well to this point in his career, but this, their playoff run this year really, I believe, was, was sort of another coming-out party for him because a lot of, of the basketball world had an opportunity to watch him a little more exclusively now uh, in this setting. And so watching him go up against Jamal Murray in some of those games in that first round was, you know, probably some of the best basketball that we've seen. And to consider, you know, they've a number of months off uh, going into the bubble to play at that high of a level was a lot of fun to watch. And, and Donovan Mitchell is the player that I'm excited to watch uh, in the years to come. What's your take on uh, Rudy Gobert, Cody? Because he's eligible for a big-time extension this offseason. Yeah, I think, you know, with, he's obviously played a, a huge role in in what the, the Jazz have done to this point. We know what he what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. And so when, when you look at kind of his future, I, I would think that you, you try to keep him around as long as you can. Um, and, you know, this summer, being a free agent, probably is not, did not come for any of these free agents did not come at the best time considering the, the amount of money the NBA and teams have lost this season. Um, and teams are going to be kind of reluctant to hand out these huge monstrous contracts that we've seen in the past. So from a team's perspective, a lot of these teams are probably going to get some of these free agents that may be a lower cost than they would have normally uh, from the players perspective, of course, uh, maybe not cashing in as much as they could have, uh, could have a could have an effect on him, but if, if you're the Jazz, I, I would expect them to try to keep uh, Rudy Gobert around. So, Jake and I were talking about this earlier. Uh, the odds for an NBA championship in the 2021 season came out, uh, and Vegas has uh, the Jazz about in the middle of the pack. Uh, but they have an interesting insert into the top level teams with the best odds, and one of them is the Golden State Warriors. Do you think the Warriors are going to come back strong and just make the West that much more talented? It is remarkable to to consider that, uh, you know, the Warriors went on that on their finals runs or deep playoff runs for a number of years where the worst team in the league last year and now could potentially just pick up right where they left off two years ago, and oh, by the way, add a, a high draft pick in the process. Um, you know, I think that to, to shoehorn them in, right, and, you know, maybe in the NBA Finals next season might be a little bit ahead of ourselves, just considering that, you know, a lot of these players, they miss time. They haven't had an opportunity to play with each other. There's a lot of uh, younger players on the team, a lot of uh, new pieces in that group. But, you know, Clay Thompson's apparently been – fully clear. He's ready to go. Steph Curry, we know what he can do, and, and the list goes on on the rest of their players. So I think that looking ahead, looking at the championship odds, when you see the top three uh, top three teams reside in the Western Conference, I think that that's just going to make the Western Conference next year you know, that much more tough for, for a team like the Jazz and, and the rest of the conference. And, um, you know, it, it is kind of remarkable to, to see, like, 
there's eight teams that made the playoffs this year and which of those teams are not going to be in next year because obviously you you think that the Warriors uh, you know kick somebody out this week so it's going to be very interesting to see how that how that plays out next season definitely. Where do the Rockets go from here? I'm not so sure that the head coach was really what was keeping them from an NBA title. Yeah, um, the Rockets are are just in they're almost in a in a weird spot. Like you know, you, you typically think that the team, the eighth best team in either conference, you're you're not quite good enough to compete. You're not quite good enough to get a high pick. Obviously, the Rockets finish higher than that, but they're almost in that weird middle ground where they've almost gone about as far as they can with this roster with James Harden. Obviously, Russ, is, that was his first year, but um, you really got to think of, of what's next for them and what a coach, how a coach can make them that much different. And obviously, they, they've been linked to a few names, uh, haven't landed on anybody yet, but um, it, it's I don't know where... I don't have many answers as to what how they can improve considering they don't have a lot of cap space to give out. They, they're starting to rely, you know, a lot more on the younger players, which for the most part have, have played well. But when you're when you're stacked like that, the, the championship odds are, you know, you're expected to compete. And obviously they fell short in, in a number of years. And so it's going to be very interesting to see kind of where they go from here. So same question with the Clippers. Yeah, I think that, you know, I've seen was moving on from Doc a good move, was it not? And I think that it probably was a good move just from the simple fact that, you know, he he's had a, a few different 3-1 three, uh, series, uh, you know, being up 3-1 and then losing that series lead. And so I think that at some point you just got to get a new voice in there of course, uh, it was basically the first year with, with mu- much of that roster. Um, you know, they dealt with injuries, too, um, that, that didn't, you know, help them out. But at the end of the day, Paul George didn't play well. Um, Kawhi Leonard didn't play as we've seen him play, and those role players didn't step up. So um, I think that uh, getting somebody new in there and, and starting fresh to speak, I think, would probably work best for them. Obviously, they, they haven't landed on any, a coach yet, but – It'll be interesting to see where they go because, you know, I think the pressure is only going to mount on them um, once the Lakers win tomorrow night or when you know Game Six, whenever they do finally win, to to perform up to the standard that the Lakers set. Um, and of course, that's only going to make the noise a lot louder in LA if uh, the Lakers do win. Cody, we appreciate you jumping on with us as always. Thank you very much. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That's Cody Taylor, editor of Rookie Wire at USA Today, coming on, giving us a little NBA insider report uh, there, Gordon. Yeah. Well, hey, can I ask you about the Rockets? Sure. Well, what, what, what would you do if you're Daryl Morey, the GM there? Or even what would you do if you're Tillman Fertitta? Would you can Morey? I mean, what, what, that might be a little extreme. But what, what, what do you think? Where, where would you go if you're the Rockets? I would find I, – I think this is what I would do. I would try to find a bright young coach who kind of an up and comer who I think uh, could develop into a great coach. Now it's a little tricky because you got James Harden there and how is a young up and coming coach going to handle the man? How is that going to go? But how is it going to go with anybody? So I think I would start with uh, a long-term ramp up. Yeah, I'd go after it that way as opposed to trying to 
plug somebody in they'll be gone in three years I, I don't like messing with that i like a good steady hand so if i'm daryl morey I, I don't care as much about the coach I'm, I'm not saying that they don't need to hire a capable coach because that's obviously important but i think james harden is going to play james harden basketball i mean if, if you have james harden on your team he's going to play one way I mean, we saw run and gun and uh, run and gun and Mike D'Antoni totally change the way he coached offense to slow down, let James dominate the ball, and you know, run your team from there. So I don't, I don't know. I, I would think that the Russell Westbrook situation is much more immediate for the Houston Rockets. I would, I think that you've got a, a player that the game has passed him by. And he's an overly physical player who's approaching the twilight of his career, which usually doesn't go well. And the good news is, is he makes $35 million. So I would try and figure out a way to go a different direction than him and find James Harden a better number two. And and the the point guard alongside James Harden, I think that was clunky with, with Chris Paul. Uh, same problem with Russell Westbrook. I'd figure out you know, would maybe an athletic big be a better uh, number two for James Harden? You know, what what kind of player would fit better next to him? I think that's their most immediate issue, unless they just want to totally blow it up, which I guess could be an option too. So do you think they should have kept Clint Capella? I don't know because, uh, well, this this is crazy to say because, you know, Anthony Davis would probably play well alongside most everybody. But, but somebody like Anthony, like a really athletic, versatile Big slash, maybe even a wing, maybe that would work. Uh, but but somebody that doesn't require the ball in their hands all the time, mm. like Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, they kind of need the ball in their hands, right? Yeah. James yeah. Harden needs a player that doesn't really require um, uh, domination of the ball to be really effective. And I I don't know who who would be a good example of that, but maybe a different direction than another point guard. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um. Boy, Russell Westbrook, he is, he's an interesting case right now because still has some athleticism left with him, never overly efficient, uh, but somewhat demanding as far as wanting the ball. And, you know, we all know about the triple-double syndrome with him. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I didn't like that uh, match uh, from the beginning. And it turns out that uh, I don't think you did either. No, I did not. And I think we, that was one case where we were we were right. Well, I didn't like his match with Chris Paul either, but they kind of taped that together and made it work a little bit better than I thought it was going to go. And then eventually it went south, obviously. But, yeah, I didn't think – Westbrook, he, he's – they had to change the whole roster because he became the big because he, his shooting is so limited – uh-huh. That he kind of the the offense didn't work with uh with Clint Capella because they just sag off Russell Westbrook all day and take and uh, and take away the the role. I mean, we saw Houston do that to uh to the Utah Jazz for an uh, an example of Houston doing it to someone else. But uh, I mean, I just don't know. He just Russell is an awkward fit in my opinion into the modern NBA because the modern NBA feels to me like it, it's built around players like. Damian Lillard or Steph Curry or certainly, you know, LeBron James is an example of this, but players that can really do it all on the offensive well, end. You know, KD, a guy who can do everything. And yeah. that's not Russell Westbrook. 
and you can, uh, speaking of LeBron, that's one of the things that's so impressive about him is that he, uh, I think yesterday you used the word consistent, and he has been, regardless of 17 years in the NBA, the game has has evolved, and LeBron just remains dominant. And you know what it is? It's because he could score, he could pass, he can rebound, he can play defense. I think that about covers it, right? But he's kept himself in such good physical shape, doesn't get injured a lot, just a great, great player. And uh, I know a lot of Jazz fans hate the Lakers, and I know there are Jazz fans who don't like uh, LeBron for maybe some of the off-the-court stuff, some of the pomposity, some of the so, – some people might say hypocrisy, but uh, uh, he is just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And I know that's not breaking news. Everybody knows that. But I wrote a column uh, that's posted at SOTrib.com. Jake, I know you're going to agree with 100% and, and do so enthusiastically. But even if you don't like LeBron – you should watch that game tomorrow night and appreciate what this guy does and how he plays the game and how great he is. Because, And I don't want to get in the argument about who's greater, Michael or LeBron. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is that this guy is an unbelievable talent, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of talent in the way he goes about doing what he does. So even if you can't stand the Lakers, even if you don't like LeBron at some level, you've got to appreciate his greatness on the floor. You know, Gordon, I am so happy that you brought up your LeBron column today up at sltrib.com because now we don't have to talk about it again. Nice. Good job. Well put. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, Executive Vice President of Marketing for Science Bank. He's See what I got to put up with? Rob Bruff with us. Rob, I'm so picture. sorry, Gordon. Rob, what do I do? What do I do with this? You know, it's a good, sound, timely topic. And because Jake doesn't like LeBron, you know, he just. Yeah, Rob doesn't want to talk about LeBron either. Of- great piece of journalistic literature and, and jake doesn't appreciate it <laughs> uh you're right you're right i don't i don't appreciate it that that is true uh all right let's talk about science bank bra, uh rob let's let's talk about small businesses and and your relationship uh, kind of through this curious time yeah thanks jake it's one of the things i would say we're probably most proud of through this uh through this crazy time we're in right now is the opportunity we've had to help a lot of small businesses in our community uh, as we went through um, the early stages of the pandemic and the and the uh, the PPP paycheck protection program uh, we were able to help uh, about 47,000 small businesses to obtain this emergency funding and 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 the great thing from our perspective is that this is not something we just have done over the last few months it's been it's it's the bread and butter it's what we do is uh, help strengthen and support the small businesses in our community. Did I hear that number right, Rob? 47,000 small businesses? You did. Wow, that is amazing. It's about $7 billion worth of uh, much-needed funding for these small businesses that allowed them to keep their, their, uh, their payroll, allowed them to keep their employees employed through this. And so we're, we're particularly proud of that. And, and, uh, we, uh, we we are strong supporters of the small businesses in our community. They are truly the lifeblood of our communities. That is incredible. Keep up the good work on that because uh, I'm with you there. Uh, that's that's really, really important. Rob, thank you so much for jumping on with us. We'll catch up with you a little later on in the show. You bet. Look forward to it. 
That's our friend Rob Ruff from Zions Bank. Wow, Gordon, 47,000 small businesses they've helped. That's that's really incredible. Yeah, I like the sound of that because I like small businesses. And if you can help someone become successful and fulfill their dreams, why wouldn't you? Austin's more of a, a bone-crushing capitalist kind of guy. <laughs> and? <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's I'm a, all for fracking. <laughs> all right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah, I don't know why I just asked you that, Austin. That that doesn't make any sort of sense. I mean, we did spend 41 minutes talking ducks to start the show. We did talk a lot of ducks today. So thanks, you got thrown off. Thanks to Cody Taylor, who jumped on with us in the last segment. He was very good. Uh, from USA Today, we'll get that up online at 1280thezone.com. Cam Meller of SB Nation is going to join us at 4 to talk some uh, college football. Jordan Pendleton will be on with us uh, at 4.30 to also talk some college football speaking of uh speaking of russell westbrook uh, uh, gordon i just want to bring up this story real quick because i i think that this is this is incredible uh that uh this is this is what a strategic thinker kobe bryant was gordon you ready for this story that uh that came out adrian wojnarowski of espn uh, uh reported it i believe or this story said talked about this on a podcast um we talked about Russell Westbrook in the last segment. Uh, get this. In 2012, what I remember with Kobe was he spent a lot of the, or he spent some of that Olympics with Russell Westbrook telling Russ, you know, you should be winning scoring titles. I don't know why you're letting Kevin win scoring titles. You should be the one winning them. Anything he could do to plant a little seed of dissent with two teammates, it was pretty <laughs> funny. That's what, uh, it, oh, that was from uh, Dwight Howard. Uh, courtesy of Adrian Wojnarowski. He told Come me. on, can can anybody see through that? Oh, I don't know. It worked. <laughs> kind of did. Didn't it, it? it totally worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russ, uh, as you so noted in the last segment, uh, doesn't hate getting statistics, does he? No. And the the uh, recognition and spotlight that comes along with that. And that's Kobe Bryant, who's probably like, oh, man, all these young players are going to lap up anything I say. <laughs> hey, I wonder, dude, you I should be winning. It, think about that for a second, though. You're a little younger, you're impressionable, and someone like Kobe Bryant comes over to you and says uh, something like that. And, and, you know, Kobe could be pretty darn earnest when he wanted to be. And, uh, yeah, Russ is sitting there going, by golly, great Kobe Bryant is right. If Russell Westbrook's ever uttered the phrase, by golly, I will eat your foot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to know. Gee Willikers. I I didn't mean, Ah. you know, word for word. Well, okay. (sighs) But how about that? Kobe Bryant. Hey, sneaky! You should be winning titles, man. What are you letting that guy have all the headlines? <laughs> Come on, 
See, this is what Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert need to start doing when they compete internationally and on these on these types of having like all star teams and these interactions with other players. They should creating be, dissent. Yes, submarining their ability uh, off the floor to compete. Let's see. Let's on think it. about this for a second. Who would they need to go after first and foremost? Uh, create a couple of scenarios there, Jake. Oh man! Well, the, the you think easiest... they should go after Jamal Murray? And... No, the easiest one is Anthony Davis. That's what I'd be doing. Yeah, calling Anthony working, Davis man. and I say, "Be like, hey, working. you're letting LeBron grab all the headlines for all uh, this LeBron, hard work you're LeBron, in? LeBron. Haven't you seen those quotes? What LeBron has said about that relationship? How there's no jealousy between them, and they're rooting for each other, and all that stuff. So if he's telling the truth, and they've got that that part of it figured See, out. See, the fact that he says that though is LeBron. Sharing the <laughs> yeah. sharing the spotlight. The fact that he has to say that is, is exactly what we're talking. If about. you ran that quote through Susie, the the Truth Machine, uh-huh. it would come out as LeBron saying, "There's no pecking order here, all the way from him on the bottom to me on the top." Right. Wow, the Truth Machine. Susan. I haven't even thought about the Truth yeah. Machine for a long, long time. Oh, those were. That was a great bit. But, but you know, that's uh, – that was a great bit. That Wait, took a lot a of bit? work, by the way. Um, but it, this, what that is, Gordon, it's the guy winning the Oscar for Best Actor thinking like the boom mic guy. You know, like <laughs> I, I'm getting all this attention. I've, I better share it to, to look like a good person. Well, but but really, really, we know who brought home this award. Yes, yes, no, that's exactly no, what he's doing. No. And LeBron, that's certainly what LeBron, I'd be telling Anthony Davis. Look, LeBron has always been an unselfish player, even if he's been a selfish human being. And, uh, it, and he has shared the ball and shared – he wants to share the spotlight with uh, AD. I think he's been stressing that from the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. And you think it's uh, insincere. I I think he has to do that to keep AD happy because he knows he needs Anthony Davis. Yeah, but he's LeBron freaking James. Who's going to swing into that that neighborhood and then have, uh, okay, I want all the attention on me. It's just... You don't go to play with LeBron James if you want all the attention on yourself. Well, just just because you're willing to do that at the beginning doesn't mean that that gets uh, to be a whole lot of fun as it goes forward. Just ask Kyrie Irving that one. Oh, yeah, but Kyrie Irving, come on. You're asking me how I'd sow discontent amongst the Lakers, and this is exactly (laughs) how I do it. And the fact that you said, oh, it's LeBron freaking James is exactly what I'm talking about. How are you supposed to to get any sort of spotlight on a a team with a washed-up LeBron freaking James? Oh, really? Is that what he is? <laughs> he should have won the MVP this year. That's what I'd be telling Anthony Davis. Like, hey, you're going to let this washed guy take up, suck all the oxygen <laughs> out of the room? Why are they asking LeBron if he's cool sharing the spotlight with you? They should be asking you if you're cool sharing the spotlight with him. Is this what you do with, like, Lloyd and Austin? <laughs> That's what I'm going to start doing with Lloyd and Austin. That's maybe, maybe Lloyd and Hatch. Austin's, you know, he's, I'm here. He's my teammate on the show here, so he's he's kind of, you know, uh, uh, you don't want to mess that up, right? And so also I'll mess you, up other other shows' chemistry. You don't have to try that hard to get me riled up. That's no, true. He, he does it naturally. Maybe we should sow uh, discord with what Hatch and PK. How about how about DJ and PK? At Man, this point, they're Gibraltar. Well, they've yeah, they've been doing it for so long that it, that would be difficult. Well, uh, yeah, I know there's a certain guy who uh, put that show together, if you remember. Ian Furness. <laughs> Don't even fall for that crap. 
Uh, I don't know. That's I don't what Ian put... says. <laughs> well, I thought it was I mean... Alan Haig. Wait, what's no. with the deep sigh there? No, there was one person. Bowler? And I don't need to necessarily draw attention to that person. High five, but... Bowler. Way to go, buddy. He's always had a good head on his shoulders, that Craig Bowler Jack. Savvy, savvy thinker. Or was it Locke? Could have been Locke. Uh, no, I think it was Bowler. Okay. Because Bowler and somebody else started the zone way back in the day. Was it E-Ray? Eric Ray? What's he doing now? <laughs> you think he's a Teaching produ- school somewhere? No, he's a producer on a different station. Oh, okay. Yeah. He got into the, the political game. Gordon, you still there? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Any thoughts? You good? Now, now, now I'm mad. Now we're sowing discord. Wait, amongst ourselves? Now we're there. We've now done I'm it. Mad. It's backfired. Oh, no. <laughs> and you would Way like to blow up your own show. It backfired. <laughs> Curse you? Well, that's what we're good at. Oh, man. Uh, well, Gordon, uh, PK wouldn't have a career if it weren't for you. Well, I, I don't want to say it like that. <laughs> None of us would. <laughs> That's how you want to say it. No, no, my no. This is the, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we don't call you the Godfather because we don't. PK acknowledge and Scotty, I may have helped out a little bit here and there. Uh, let's see. Um, DJ was uh, he was. Uh, he was a he superstar. Was, he was on his way. Already. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Jake would have been uh, parking cars over at the oh, local hotel. come on. Uh, hey, by the way, a perfectly honorable profession. And and and, okay. and, and Austin, the, I mean, Austin was on his way, too. There was I'd just be on a death bit row. Of, there's a little bit of course correction that needed, needed to take place. I owe you my very blood. So, yeah, I, I definitely would be the guy giving you dirty looks as you handed me 75 cents to park your Porsche. <laughs> DJ, DJ texts in and says, uh, Austin's Big Show has a nice ring to it. <laughs> oh, man. I agree. Now, see, we're here. We're supposed to be playing other people. Now other people are playing I us. I know. I know. The Discord is, is here. How are we supposed to... Maybe maybe we're going this at is, the wrong show. Maybe we should go at Hanson Scotty. Can no, we, see, this is this is why this is why uh, it's so important to be a team player because that way you don't have to mess with any of this stuff. I mean, DJ and PK know they know I'm a fan of that show. Have you seen DJ? He's a handsome kid, and they don't know that about you. I mean, because you have you know they they know that you have stirred the muck. But I've always been in their corner, oh, you know. I see. And I, I've, you haven't. So, when was I not? Oh, Jake, do you really want me to go into the details? Sure. I'd rather not on the air. I did actually produce that show for two years, you know. <laughs> Which, therefore, naturally, you do have a disdain for them because that's so, how it works. Well, so what you're saying is we need to, to take the devious behavior outside of the, yes. of the station? Because yeah. we know Steve Johnson, the the GM of uh, Broadway Media. I just got a nice message from him the other day. Actually, I I'm not. Steve's back in the saddle over there, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Love Steve Johnson, by the way. Good person, Steve. But that, Steve that, is a good guy. That, that could be our in over there, so we could sow discord through Steve. You know, I don't know which is worse, uh, you know, being disruptive and trying to mess up things or being accused, as DJ just accused me of, of sucking up. <laughs> which you do often. See, I, I do not. I hate that. I would rather screw up than suck up. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go Town! Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for Austin's list. A list you don't want to be on. Producer Austin Horton, the EP, has an enemies list. And it is long and it is thorough. And we find out uh, different uh, people that make the list uh, a couple times a week right here on The Big Show. Uh, what are we? Uh, who's making the list today, Austin? Well, uh, as you mentioned, it's long and thorough. We're going on to the back side of the page now. We, we've All filled up one side of the page. <laughs> we? Okay, yeah. good. Well, how uh, many single pages? Space. You, you got like uh, what, 10 pages? Well, since we started this segment. Right. I, that, that, that hasn't made it into the uh, safety deposit box over at Zion's yet. The, the, that's the personal enemies list. That's, that's the a, one that yeah, when right. I die, someone inherits, yes, <laughs> and has to uh, carry out punishments. <laughs> For me, okay. well, it's, it's law now. I don't. Uh, you're going to live another sixty years. So. I would. I would. Uh, Depends who I put on the list. I would. <laughs> honestly, I would pay good money, good money, to be in the room when Austin drafts his will. <laughs> I, would, I would. I mean, to see like you what get he, my rubber band collection. You get a box full of bees. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Well, on my passing, I want a box filled with hornets uh, mailed to Gordon Monson. Yeah, I, I, I want to be there. Can I? Is that all right? That'd be amazing. Okay. i got to write that one down right. on a different list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's, Not necessarily the Gordon part. But. Who's making the list? Uh, baseball uh, purists and, and uh, loudmouth bros of the baseball world <laughs> make the list today. Okay. Uh, just to catch you up on some playoffs goings on, uh, the Astros... Uh, currently are looking to close out the A's. They're up 7-4 to four in the sixth inning, up two games to one. But to start today's game, Zach Greinke's on the bump for the Houston Astros. And he's How's been doing- his arm? Uh, fine. What, okay. Did something happen to it? I missed that. Was there something uh, wrong with his arm? I thought he had some issue, but uh, oh, sorry. I missed that if he did. But uh, the uh, he's been doing this all season to kind of troll the Astros cheating scandal. He's been tipping batters to what pitch he's about to throw. Okay. And and then striking them. It's actually worked out really, really well somehow, except for today with two runners on, he told Francisco Lariano, or sorry, uh, Ramon Lariano of the A's, I'm going to throw you the curve. And what happened? Lariano belted it to Manhattan. That doesn't make him look good. <laughs> no. And, and so the the A's went up 3 nothing early, but they're, they're up 7 to 4. But that just kind of bothers me that Zach Greinke has the guts, the gall, 
to uh, to first join the Astros and then second or stay with the Astros and then second um, to say that the scandal was not a big deal all season that's kind of bothered me but more so what bothers me and who's making the list in bold print today is Manny Machado for what he had to say yesterday if you missed this Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres is phenomenal he hits a giant shot to center field for a home run and Cody Bellinger, another young phenom in the game, goes straight back 95 feet, leaps up, and grabs the ball and robs the home run. And the pitcher for the Dodgers, uh, Bruzdar, oh, what's his, what's his name? Bruzdar Graziola, uh, sorry, uh, Gratterol, Bruzdar Gratterol, he celebrates by throwing his glove, taking his hat off and frisbeeing it to the dugout, and just all out celebrating. Uh-huh. And Manny Machado has to be held back. Because oh, you yeah. just don't celebrate like that in baseball. Oh, coming from Manny? And coming from a team that the day before, Fer- Fernando Tatis Jr. hits a home run and threw his bat to center field, essentially. <laughs> so just let baseball celebrate. Just let players celebrate. We need more trash talk. We need more celebration. If you hit a home run, you should be doing cartwheels around the base paths. We need well, to get uh, baseball celebration normalized. Until then... Machado's on the list now. Can I can I guess Gordon's take uh, to this uh, this uh, this story and what Gordon actually thinks? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to speculate here. <clears throat> <laughs> they should have let Manny Machado fight because they need to get that energy out with a fist fight in order no. to to play a clean game going forward. So so Manny no. was upset about the celebration. And and they should have let him fist fight. Who was the guy? Uh, Bruce Dargratterall. Because now that they haven't fist fought, Manny's probably going to attack him with a bat in the next game. Which no, he's done that, before. Yeah. Right. No, so no, if no. they would have just let him fist fight it out, it would it would <laughs> prevent in- injuries going forward. See, or give him a hockey stick. No, see, th- this is the problem here. And, and this is what I'm dealing with. I mean, and, and it's the nuances of hockey, where, and it's not really all that nuanced. It's, it's just a matter of when you skate around with a stick and you're constantly trying to, uh, you know, bother everybody on the other team with that stick, then sometimes that stick gets a little wild. And when the stick gets wild and the referees can't see what's going on, then a man needs to take matters into his own fists. And, and that's the only way you can police that game. I believe in that's base- in the Bible. Listen, <laughs> a, baseball, a baseball player doesn't carry the bat around with him everywhere he goes. But he could. And, and, and everybody doesn't have a bat in his hand. But there is and a every, And everybody baseball. doesn't constantly whack each other with a bat. And uh, you know where the referee, the umpires can't see it all the time. And you know the baseball players' very shoes could easily be used as a weapon. In fact, Machado himself has, has used done such that. shoes, yeah. as recently as last year's it, playoffs. Right. And if if they would have let Machado <laughs> fist fight the guy the game before, then he he would not have uh, uh, cleated him in the game after. And he would have died because it, it was Nelson look, Aguilar. But it, it says right here, and in what uh, let, let, let me see, it's. Uh, let me get this exactly right. It's Ezekiel 8. It says, if someone hits you with a stick, thou shalt hit him back. All right. Which stick? The one of Judah or? I don't think Ezekiel wrote that. 
I'm not a biblical scholar. You got to read. You got to well, read. Let's crack the open lines. a good book here and read from uh, uh, from uh, Ezekiel four, where it says, "If you have the goods, go ahead and show the goods." Wait, why is the why is Ezekiel your go to fake scripture? That's because it's, scripture. One of, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite books. I've, I've get, I need to reread it. Yeah, it sounds like that, I remember that, very little about dry. Oh, Ezekiel and uh, Song of Solomon. I mean, you know, those are you know, yeah. All right. Let's... You might want to, you know, the Song of Solomon, you might want to read just with the adults. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, he's the vice president of marketing at Science Bank. He's our friend, Rob Bruff. Uh, Rob, you really do jump in the middle of some very uh, curious conversations sometimes. Yeah, I apologize. I was just thumbing through Ezekiel to see what I could, uh, what I could drum up, but I couldn't find something quick enough. Oh, uh, now, I guess I've got to ask you, what's your favorite book of Scripture? Well, I, I can't argue with Song of Solomon, but uh, I, I can't read that around my kids. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. The first time I read that, I was a young person, and, you know, I mean, I thought, wow. Oh, man. This is, uh, what a bizarre direction this conversation is going. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, speaking of people with kids, I bet uh, families out there uh, would be interested in a little cashback program that I know that you guys are doing at Zions Bank. Yeah, let's talk about that with our uh, our amazing cashback credit card. Um, it's a great way, actually, as you're as you're out uh, using your card every day for just your everyday expenses. You, you earn one percent cashback on every purchase, and there's no cap and and no expiration date to it. And actually, for the first ninety days, we'll give you two percent back on on every purchase you make. Wow, and I know that's really valuable to to people out there uh, these days as uh, the card becomes more and more a part of our life. We're not all Gordon where we just walk around with hundreds burning a hole in our pocket. So if you can get a little cash back, I imagine that's a big deal. Well, it's it's just a nice thing because it's, again, unlike some other programs where it's only on certain purchases, the nice thing about this is you use it for your, your everyday purchases and uh, get that cash back and put a little more in your pocket. What's the best way to get started if that sounds like uh, something our listeners are interested in? Uh, just go to ZionsBank.com, and you'll see uh, a banner there for our credit cards. Rob, uh, uh, brush up on your scripture. Who knows what we'll get to with you next. <laughs> hey, I'll be ready for the next segment. All right, buddy, thanks. <laughs> That's our friend Rob Bruff. Uh, from Zion's Bank. And, uh, yeah, I do feel bad sometimes, uh, Gordon, with the conversations we, we ambush some of our guests with. Like all of them? Like all of them. <laughs> like all of them. All right, stay And why tuned. are you using the word we? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That is, that's a good because point. Because we're a team. Oh, oh, great. All right, team on three. One, two, three. Cancun. Uh, coming up next, <laughs> Cam Meller of SB Nation is going to join us to talk some college football. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.